We're going to be ministering this morning. The Prayer Initiative is the series that Pastor Quentin will be entering into, calling it the Prayer Initiative. Today, um, we had another title, and we decided that it probably was not best to use that title, but we used the word, are going to use it quite often in here, but the title today is Stepping In. Stepping In, because what God is calling us to do, where he's calling us to go. So, you want to go ahead and pray? I'd like to say welcome home to Ben and Vicki Corrington also. Yes. They've been on a long trip to Africa this, yes. this past few weeks, so welcome home, you guys. But uh, anyway, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to share your word. Thank you for um, just your people, Lord, amazing people that have gathered together, um, hungry to hear your word and what you would have to say today. I thank you, Lord, that as we open our hearts together um, and as Lee and I open our mouths, that we would simply say what you would desire to speak as life into uh, your people. So we give you this moment, we give you this block of time, Lord, um, and we ask that we would be good stewards of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So there's a scripture, Psalm chapter 40, verse 6, and I just want to share the middle piece of that that verse. It says, you have given me the capacity to hear and obey. That's out of the Amplified Version. You, God, have given me the capacity to hear and obey. So what I want us to do, actually, before we actually really get into the word, is I want all of us to actively participate for a moment, um, to do something that helps us to understand that he has given us that capacity and what our part is going to be in that. So if you don't mind standing for a minute... And I'm going to want you to repeat after me. It's like a prayer and opening up, opening your heart to receive. God, give us the capacity to hear your voice, your song, your dreams, your heart. And we will obey. Thank you for the grace to obey. Amen. All right, you can be seated. So I just wanted, to me, sometimes it's important to do that. You know, when you open up the word, it's important before you read to say, give me the understanding of what you're saying. Open my eyes, open my heart, open my ears to hear what you're saying. Because we're human. We don't, we, sometimes we just fly right through it and, and we hear stuff and we're always gathering information, gathering information. And we want to be very intentional moving forward. That we're not just gathering information. We want to do more then learn about prayer and fasting. And that's part of what especially Brian's going to share in a few minutes. We want to learn more about that. We actually want to develop what God wants to do and develop in us through prayer and fasting. We don't want to learn about it. We want to learn what is he doing, what's he calling me into, not just what he's calling me away from. This one's different, but he's calling us into something. We're not just setting something aside for a month or 20 days. We're actually... Asking him to develop something in us. There was a quote in a book that I'm reading, uh, Beyond the Veil. It's called by Alice Smith. And in one of the devotionals that she has, it says, Intercession is not a work to be done. Prayer and intercession. It's not a work that we do. It's a relationship that's to be developed. The foundation of intercession is love and intimacy with the one with whom you're interceding. This morning's praise and worship was just like... So, so powerful. 
I was standing over there, and it was like I just couldn't hardly hold myself. I was shaking, and I was like, am I nervous? I was like, I mean, there's always a measure of nervousness when you get up and to do anything like this. But it was just this powerful presence of, oh, my gosh, I just love you. I just love you. You are the one that I love. And I was praying up there, God, before we speak, before we bring out the word, I'm asking you to just pour this into them now. Let them receive now who you are. Intercession is not a work to be done. We're not heading into a work. We're heading into a relationship that is to be developed. Fasting is not a work that shows how spiritual we are. It's setting aside of ourselves to be filled with him. So when I heard about the um, opportunity to speak today, you kind of start mentally preparing yourself. And then my wife came home and said, oh, by the way, um, we're not just speaking on whatever you want to. We're speaking on fasting. And I'm like, how did that happen? You know, everybody's really excited. Usually when you even say that word, everybody's running for the back door. But um, so anyway, here we go. Uh, We don't do this all the time either. You know, I've preached for 26 years by myself. And there's something about speaking by yourself where you get in your own rhythm, you get in your own flow. God's doing his thing. You've prepared ahead of time. And God bless America, it happens. So one of the things about, you know, ministry progressing in us is that, uh, and as we get older, we understand that it's not just about what God's doing in us or through us, but our our potential as a leader is to empower other people to become everything that God has destined them to be. And so as my wife and I are growing in, in God and in the kingdom, and our life is changing and transitioning as it, as it does with time, God's given us the opportunity to put into practice what we've been preaching for, for several years in that my role as a husband also becomes to empower my wife to become everything that God has destined her to be. And if that means sharing an opportunity to speak like this so that her giftings can be, you know, manifest and that she can grow and develop along with me, then that's what it's all about. Amen. And so as you get opportunity and as opportunity comes and as God requires transition of you, yield to that. And one of the ways that that yielding takes place is through times of prayer and fasting. Um, There are times when our old man does not like to shift. It doesn't like to give way. You know, we're, we're uh, stubborn by nature, especially those of us that are Mainers. We're, we're uh, independent. We're, we're, we're just strong-willed people by, by, by design, I guess, by the culture that's here, uh, the survival instinct that's in us to make it through a Maine winter and then to somehow survive mud season has just grown instincts in us that are, that are amazing. So, as we're, as we're yielding ourselves to God's plan and purpose for our life, and we're being empowered to become all that he's destined us to be, it requires us to be obedient. It requires us to be sensitive and understanding, aware of shifting that needs to take place. And oftentimes, our old man, our nature, our flesh, doesn't like to change. 
We like the comfort of being what we are, what we've been, what we're familiar with, etc., etc. But those transitions or those shifting times when God is requiring us to go beyond what we're comfortable with and what we're familiar with, oftentimes we can't launch into those seasons without some intense challenge or some intense prayer, some intense fasting, or at least setting aside some time to say, God, what is it that you want to do in my life? Oftentimes, I know with me, I've, I'm, I'm, I don't like to think of myself as stubborn, but really when I look at my processes, I'm like, God, you've had to do some pretty uh, rigorous, um, I don't know, put me up against the wall pretty hard sometimes to get me to pay attention about, okay, buddy, it's time to change. So regardless of how quickly you can transition into change or not, coming to a place where we're going to set aside some time to fast and pray, if we understand that it's not just a time, you know, because we get so focused on I can't eat candy anymore, or, or we can't eat our favorite food anymore, that sometimes the, the, the real reason or impact for um, fasting gets lost in the hardship of it. We don't like to deny our flesh by nature again. We don't like to change by nature again. And so you kind of couple the two things together and God's saying, okay, we're going to discipline ourselves to focus on things that we need to focus on, um, set aside some things so that we can realign ourselves with what God has purposed in his heart for this next season of your life. How many of you are expecting God to do something in your life in the days and weeks ahead? How many of you would just honestly say, I'm ready for a change? To be quite honest with you, he's not going to have a hard time getting me to shift into something new because my heart is telling me that there's a change that needs to take place in me and I'm ready to do it. If that's the case, then then you're set for a very good experience with this time of fasting and prayer. It's a time to say, God, what do you want? It's a time for us to realign. When uh, my wife is uh, has some challenges with their back and such at times and Ben Corrington is a is a chiropractor and she'll go to him he's been out of town for quite a while and she's probably going to be the first one in line um, when he goes gets his door opened in the morning um, to get uh, get her back aligned or to get adjusted and that alignment sets things in order in her body that alignment sets her back and her muscles and nerves and whatever it is that gets out of alignment sets that in alignment so that she can function fully and effectively and properly. And so with fasting, we want to go into this time with an understanding that, God, we want to be in alignment with your plan and purposes for our life, not just for like 20 years from now, but like what's happening in my life right now? What's the season of my life? What are you wanting to realign in me right now? And I feel like I'm talking a lot. So if you got anything to add, go for it. So so this this, uh, chapter 58 in Isaiah, I want us to look there real quick as we kind of take on this uh, understanding of aligning ourselves, spirit, soul, and body. Isaiah 58 in verses 6 through 8. I'm actually going to start, I'm going to just start with with, uh, verse 1 of 58. It says, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud, don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. 
Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and they seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. They say that we have fasted before you. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and we don't, and you don't even notice. I will tell you why, I respond, because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and you cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this is what will please the Lord. So I think what we need to glean from this section is that it's not the the act so much as it's what God is preparing in our hearts to do. In other words, you can deny your body food. People do it all the time and it has no spiritual connotation whatsoever. You can do- deny yourself all kinds of things if you're, you know, wanting to, you know, whatever. So it's not so much that they're adhering to the outward physical manifestations of what it would appear or what it would ha- had appeared that um, fasting was, there also had to be an alignment of their heart to go along with that. Yes. So if their heart wasn't aligned to the physical act of fasting, then there really wasn't a whole lot that was going to get done. They're just being really hard on themselves. They're hungry, miserable, and nothing's happening. Why? Because their heart is not aligned. Their heart was not aligned with God's heart for this practice of fasting. So he's not just after us to do an act of denying ourselves. That's not the intention of fasting. If we're going in and saying, I can do this, bless God. I'm going to go a day without Boston cream pie. And I'm going to do this thing. And I'm going to do it well. At the end, I'm going to be able to say, see... I did it. I made it through a week without Boston cream pie. If that's the intention or that's the goal, then we've missed the mark, haven't yes, we? Yes, that's have. not the important. That's not the importance of it. Um, missing a meal is not what God's after here. That's right. um, what He's after is a transformation of our heart. What He's after is the results of that fast that will lead us into the things that are His heart. Yes. In other words, there'll be a transformation within us that will change our ways so that we begin to activate the giftings of God that are in us so that it impacts the culture around us. God's into transforming the culture. He wants to transform our culture. Every place that you go, there's a culture established. If you go into Walmart, there's a culture there. They have people in blue vests, right? And they have created a culture that when you go to the door, you're going to be greeted by one of those blue vested individuals. Amazing people. They're trained to treat you kindly, to greet you happily, so that the end result that you will buy lots of stuff from Walmart, which for some reason we do. Um, It's kind of like going to Sam's Club. You go in for one little thing and you come out with like gallon jugs of stuff that you, whatever. Truckloads, exactly. 
And some of the fasting that we do is not, you know, we're saying food. Obviously, we've all, probably all of us have gone on a social media fast, right? And we go on it, and we get done, and we're like, oh, this is so awesome. And then three months later, we're, I need another fast, you know? Because sometimes those things, and there's, again, there is nothing wrong with, because those are developing disciplines. Fasting is a, a biblical, spiritual discipline that the Bible tells us. This isn't just something we think of. This is a part of the biblical principles of the Word of God. But there's sometimes, too, that I think we forget that, Sometimes there's attitudes we need to say, God, you're asking me to pull away from those attitudes. You're asking me to set those aside. Some words that we say one time in our family, we did a negative word fast. You know, that was, that was great. Um, <laughs> we learned about uh, scarcasm. <laughs> Sometimes those fasts are not just be attentive to what God is saying. It doesn't mean because food fast is, it definitely is a spiritual thing. We abstain when we fast. But there are sometimes attitudes in our heart that God has already begun to deal with some of you. And what you do in this fast as you go forward, it's not to say, see, I kept my attitude great this whole month. It's to say, God, what are you doing inside of me to position myself to maybe even fully get rid of that attitude or those words or whatever it is that's coming up in my heart. And step by step, as you submit, as you begin to say, maybe every day, God, give me the capacity. You said you would. So uh, give me this capacity to hear what you're saying and to obey it. So when I want to have this attitude with the person next to me, uh, the person that I love maybe, or I want to do this, that you are, I'm giving you permission to check me. We're going to go a little bit beyond what we've normally maybe done in a fast or in prayer. It's not a work because we're developing that relationship. With him. So he goes on in verse 6 to say, no, this is the kind of fasting that I want. A fasting that results in um, freeing those who are wrongly imprisoned, lightening the burden of those who work for you, letting the oppressed go free, and removing the chains that bind people, to share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless, to give clothes to to those who are in in need of them, and not to hide from... (laughs) Don't hide from relatives that need your help. That's, That's not in the Bible. That is not and here's a scripture. The cool thing. Here's the cool thing. This is actually part of Help the me, fast Jesus. that God calls us to. Like when we read this a week or so in, in, the, in the staff meeting, and I think it was Miss Jen who pulled this out, and she's like, wait, this is not just a fast of food. This is a fast that calls us to go beyond ourselves, to set the captive free, to set the prisoners free, and to feed the hungry. I'm fasting, and i got to feed somebody, and to clothe those who are naked, to bring the homeless in, to take care of my family. You see, God is calling us into something beyond ourself. He's calling us into what he wants to do inside of us and what he wants to take us into, looking beyond ourself. Like like the first six verses where that's what they were fasting for. Look at me. Look what I've done. And he's saying, no, I really don't care. This is saying in a bad way because God does care about us. But I don't care what you've done. I'm calling you to something deeper. I'm going deeper inside of you. Because first of all, I want you to know me. I want you to know my heart. That's God's heart. God's heart is for every one of us. It's not a social gospel, but that is his heart. To reach the social world around us. Exactly. Spiritually and physically. So then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will heal quickly. See how the transition happens there? Whereas we 
surrender ourselves to God's heart and we begin to take on his heart for people, all of a sudden the things that are needing to happen in our life, they just begin to happen. He's saying, then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply, remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Uh, Then your light will shine out of darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as the noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. And you will be like a well-watered garden. That's amazing. There's something about a well-watered garden. You ever been around one that hasn't been watered? Right? There's nothing being produced there. But you go to a garden that's been watered and cared for, and guess what? There's some good stuff in that plot of ground. And so as we get this in order, and as we go into this time of fasting or a time of fasting, um, to put ourselves in alignment with God's will and plan for our life, then he begins to expose to us his desire for us. Now that whole list of things, he's not going to ask you to go out and do that all like the first day. You're going to go out and check off 500 things off of that list. God's going to put some things in your heart and he's going to empower you to be able to do it. We just, um, we had something on Craigslist or whatever. I don't know. Midcoast Messenger. And this lady with an autistic son had asked if uh, she could pick up or buy this little, uh, I don't know, it was like a Yankee Stadium type game that you, like a little pinball thing or whatever. It was a wooden game that we had had for one of our kids, I think, Austin. And he kind of outgrew it. And uh, so we put it on there and this lady wanted, I think she has given us 10 bucks for it or something like that. So we were coming back from our conference yesterday and um, we're trying to get uh, connected with her in Waldeboro or Union or wherever. And um, so we're trying to make this. She goes, oh, well, okay, I'm going to stop at this bank and I'll get some cash and blah, 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 and whatever. And so we're like trying to make all these connections. And I'm listening to her on the phone and they're texting back and forth. And the lady's trying to get off of work. And I'm like, holy smoke, um, this is pretty complicated. But then the Holy Spirit put in my heart to say, Tell her to skip the bank. The 10 bucks is fairly immaterial. Um, this lady obviously sought this particular thing out for her son. Let's sow this into her life. Yeah. Amen. And so it's, it wasn't like a huge big deal, but it's a shift to say sometimes money isn't the important thing. Sometimes that sale was just a connection was a, with a person that needed a way to minister to her son. And she didn't even, maybe she doesn't even know that she's ministering to her son. But she loves her son and she had found a way that hopefully that he could rise above some of his autism and be able to engage in, in a healthy way um, with that. And so God will speak to us about things that we can participate in, and it's going to be uniquely us between us and him. In other words, I think it would be un, unfair or unrealistic, um, and I think somewhat unproductive, if I 
or Leo, we were just to stand up and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. Um, You're going to look for this situation and then you're going to respond to this situation in this way. That's not God's heart for this event of fasting and prayer at all. What it is, is God's wanting to shift things in our life that bring about a result in your life that's uniquely handcrafted by him to bring glory to him, honor to him, but also great progress and and motivation in your own life. A, A great joy will come out of the experience of hearing his voice and being obedient to it. Yeah, he's calling us into knowing him, not just about him, but realigning our relationship with him. He's calling us into knowing him, purposefully coming into a place where we know him and his ways. Not just what he does, but the heart of what he does, of why he does it. That's what he's calling us into. Shift is happening. Actually, our title, I can't help it, i got to say it. Our title is going to be Shift Happens, <laughs> with the F in there. Shift happens. Because <laughs> we're about to enter into a section of what we're going to talk about. <laughs> or that's where the rubber hits it's the It's kind of like your kid, you know, when they see that word in the Bible, they see hell in the Bible. It's just like they got to say it. it. They want to read it out loud. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I think she just wants to say it, maybe. I don't know. Just plug your ears and let her go. And she'll be fine later. <laughs> it does happen, so. though. Happens in life. That's where we are in life. But we felt like that wouldn't be very appropriate to have on our podcasting or anything like that. So, um, yeah. So we're going to go to Psalm 23. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where God is calling us into. And so God, give us the capacity to hear what you're saying right now and to obey can what we, you're doing. Can, can I say this before you go there? Yeah. I want to just um, bring attention to the idea that God's kingdom is a culture. His kingdom is a culture. It's a culture of righteousness, of honor. His glory is overwhelming in that culture. And his, the culture of the kingdom of heaven produces the fruits of righteousness in our life. It produces really awesome things in our life. And so when the culture of heaven intersects with your life, and the old nature and the old man and the old culture that we've been accustomed to living in gives way to the to the the culture of heaven, awesome and amazing things begin to happen in our life. But it's an actual culture that is shifting. And I wanted to read a definition. This wasn't in her notes. I just got this before this. It's a set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that characterize an institution or an organization. The integrated pattern of human knowledge, belief, and behavior that depends upon the capacity of others to uh, be learning and transmitting knowledge to successive generations. So as we're being transformed, we are allowing and asking for the kingdom of heaven, the culture of heaven, to be a part of who we are becoming. I want what's in heaven, I want in me. What's in God, I want in me. I've seen what I am on my own. Trust me, it's not pretty. It's not good. When I give way to the kingdom of heaven and allow his culture to uh, become who I am, then amazing things that are eternal and lasting can begin to happen. But I have to allow that shift to take place. All right. Yeah, sorry. 
So part of it can take place, does take place actually as we read Psalm 23. There is actually a shift that happens in Psalm 23. So I'm reading from the Amplified, and I think it will be up on the uh, screen. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in fresh, tender, green pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters. He refreshes and restores my life, myself. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with him, not for my earning it, but for his namesake. Yes, though I walk through the deep, sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread no evil, for you are with me, your rod to protect, and your staff to guide. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My brimming cup runs over. Surely, or only goodness, mercy, and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. And through the length of my days, the house of the Lord and his presence shall be my dwelling place. Halfway through this chapter, some of you may have noticed it, but halfway through this chapter, it shifted from talking about God, what he did, and describing him, to actually talking to God. It became personal after walking through the valley of the shadow of death. At first it was, this is what you do for me. And that's all good, because it's true. It's all good. This is who he is. But at first it was, this is what you do for me. Then it became, this is who you are to me. After I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, something shifted. Things actually became deeper. That's what a valley is. A valley is a deep place in between the mountains. And we must learn to live deeper than the shallowness of our own minds, our own wills, and our own feelings. This is where God's calling us. Each one, it will look different for each one of us. As a family, God's calling you. As the body of Christ, God's calling you. That's why, yes, it is God give me the capacity, but it's also God give us the capacity the body of Christ. Deeper living means that we go beyond what we want, what we think, and how we feel, and that we choose to live by the word of God. We always, sometimes always, maybe not always, have this perspective when we talk about the valley, that it's a bad place, that it's dark, that it's dismal. And yeah, we see it does mention the shadow of the valley, of the death. It does mention a shadow. But I think we forget that when there's a shadow... That means that there is a light source somewhere when there's a shadow. Mm -hmm. And that something is just blocking the light. You know, when you walk, usually the light is behind you when you see your shadow in front of you. And we forget. We're in the shadow of the valley of death. It's just so dark and deep and dismal. But there's a light source somewhere to cause that shadow to be taken place. We have a tendency to only see the darkness at that moment. And then in that tendency, we just continue to talk about him. Well, he's this, he's this, he's great, he's good, he's this. In that darkness, in that despair, in whatever it is that we go through, we have a tendency to just talk about that. We stay shallow in our view of him and our trust in him. We stay shallow because we're in a shadow and all we can see is the darkness. We tend to focus on the answer that we want instead of our focus being on him. 
We get in those places. We may even go into prayer and fasting and say, this is the answer I want, and that's what I'm going to focus on. We tend to focus on that instead of our focus being on him. Let me show you something. You want to get that whiteboard? And I'm going to show you something on um, that is very typical of my life, and I just kind of wanted to draw it out for you of what it looks like when we tend to focus on the answer instead of focusing on him. We get a nice little order that we have everything in. We get the nice order of how he's going to work, how he's going to lead us, how he's going to guide us, and what he's going to do. Verses 1 through 3. He's my shepherd. He makes me lie down. This is what he does. He leads me by still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in righteousness. He does all of this for me. So therefore, I've got this little order of what he does. And I wrote, actually, I have too many things here. I, like, need... I don't know. And during worship, um, because this really is the heart of our message, I think. I wrote this out. I can't remember what song they were singing, but it said something like this. I declare your promises with my life. That just rose up because this is really the heart. What we're entering into is a place and a spot in our lives where we are going to begin to declare the promises of God with our life. This is what he's doing. This is the transformation he's wanting to make. So, typically, I'll get, and for those of you who know me, know this very well, especially my children and my husband. Here's what God's going to do. And it's going to be in an outline form. Actually, actually, never mind, not number three, because under number two, he's going to do this, too. And this. And I know that really when you start an outline, it's the Roman numerals and you have capital A and then a two and then a little b. So actually most of mine start with the Roman numerals. And so there's this, this is how you're going to do it. This is what the order is. This is how you'll work. And it's not always a bad thing, okay? I'm not downing myself because I'm very pleased with the way that God made me. And there is structure and order in my life. And that is very necessary because God is a God of order. God is a plan. God is a preparer. He does these things. Where it gets off and gets in the wrong place is when this is where my focus becomes because this is how you're going to answer. And if I just set things up this way or if I just go here, and in my head I'm not thinking I'm manipulating God. And a lot of times I'm not, but my focus then begins to stay right here. This is what you're going to do, and then I begin to get off track. And so if it doesn't happen this way, then I think it didn't happen. Actually, it did. It just that's not the way that God was having it happen. And it wasn't because he was mean and saying, you know what, I hate your outlines. He's saying, I just have a way that I know that other person or persons or situation that you don't know. And so that's how I want to do it. That's how I want to do it. Because then we had verse 4. I'm walking in the deep sunless valley of the shadow of death. And that this is about what happens. My outline begins with me. I begin to just... I fear and dread because it didn't happen. And God's saying, uh, yes, it did happen because here's how it's happening. Here's what God is saying. Okay, sometimes I might do this, but actually here's how I'm going to work. Uh, I think I'll leave that up there. And he says, okay, here's point one. Sorry for you over here who may not be able to see it. Point two. Oh, and point three would be down here. And point four would be down here. And your little subtitle things, well, I'm going to put one here 
and one here, I think. And then I'm going to work over here. Oh, and I'm going to work over here. Then I'm going to come up here. And let's see, I'm going to work up here. E, F. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go over here. G and H. And um, let's see. Go way up in the corner. Actually, this would be G this, and this H. This is bringing an order to it. It's like a little line. Like, well, there is a purpose because in what looks like a disorder to me <laughs> is actually God's order. Here's what he does. Then he goes, okay, let's go over here. Uh, let's go here. Let's go here. Let's go here. And that's the first. Oh, oh, oh and then I'm going to do something really different. I'm going to come over here and I'm going to do it again. One, two, three. And so then I look at this compared to this, and I'm like, that's what, that's what you're going to do? But he doesn't show me all those pieces at the same time. But what he does, he says, now, if you just follow, follow that I see all these pieces and, and in this person, in this situation, here's what will happen, because here's what I'm drawing you into in this deep, sunless valley of the shadow of death. Here's what I'm drawing you into. Follow me. Follow me, he says. Trust me. Here's what I'm going to do. I don't know if you can really see that, but it spells out the word trust. I don't know if you can really see that. It's kind of hard, but that's what he says. This is my order. In verse 4, in the deep, sunless valley, this is my order. Trust me when it looks dark. I know you want to stay in this place that you already have it planned out because you're looking at just the answer. But when you look at me, I'm surrounding you. The word says he surrounds us with the shield of favor. He's behind us. He's in front of us. He's beside us. His word says that. So God, I declare your promises with my life. And however you want that to look, here's the bottom line of what you want to develop in me. That's your order that you want to bring. Even though it's in the darkness. Psalm 18, verse 11. This was so cool when I read this. I I read this a few years ago. And then I just, um, the other day, it just really popped out at me. Psalm 18, Michael started off with it this morning. About I love you. This is who you are. And David, when he wrote this psalm, was in depression. This was a depressive time for him. And he wrote, this is who you are. You're my deliverer. You're my stronghold. I love you. I love you. But I need your help. I'm sinking. Hell's coming around me. Death is coming at me. I'm sinking. That's what he says in those first few verses there. And it says, when God heard his cry in that deep, sunless valley, when God heard his cry, it goes on to say what God did. The earth quaked. His nostrils flared. Smoke was coming out of his nostrils. Lightning was coming out of his mouth. He came down and he was angry. At the enemy, not at David. He was angry at what was happening. And God came down and verse 11 says, He made darkness his secret hiding place. I was like, what? You're the God of light. You actually wrote down his pavilion. Round about him was dark waters and thick clouds of the sky. He came in hiding himself in the darkness. He's always there. He's in that valley. He's in that spot where we think there's no order. He's there. He's hiding in that darkness saying, you have it here. This is what I want to do. Trust me. Trust me. This is what I want to do. We've had actually something quite recently that 
actually, I think we have a living illustration of that darkness that uh, came into our heart. I don't know if you want to go so on that one. most of you know, I mean, a lot of you know about my journey, our journey. Um, you know, we went to North Carolina, uh, really felt like God was calling us into the marketplace and came back and I began to work with my younger brother, um, Josh, and just really dove into that work um, probably excessively, um, well, not probably <laughs> excessively. Yes, it was. It's my nature. Um, usually put everything that I've got into what I do and um, sometimes have a hard time finding the off button. But regardless, threw myself into that work and really uh, started applying ourselves to building that business. And, you know, there was many bright spots in the midst of that. We were working with the prison system and a lot of our labor employees were coming from the prison system. So I had my own little congregation of people there that were just really um, able to speak to that were really, not all of them, but but many of them really open to interaction and talking and sharing a lot of need there, etc. But yet at the same time, there was something that was out of order in the in the grand scheme of things, you know, just to, just to, this is life. Uh, my two brothers had a stone center, J.C. Stone in, in Windsor, and they had had a separation prior to me coming to Maine, and Josh had started a new company, similar company. And so it created a division, basically. Um, there was, they were competing against one another just by nature of the two business being in the same type of uh, industry. And so without realizing it, my coming into my younger brother's business intensified the division between my two brothers and it escalated between um, my brother and myself as well. And so I've got my head buried in the business and I'm going along just doing everything that I can, working my heart out, doing everything that I can um, to make this thing work. And I remember telling Leah several times along the way, I've never worked as hard in my entire life without having marked results. Like there was no favor. Um, and I'm used to working with the favor of God. Um, it's just it just goes with obedience to God, and my life has always been, God, not my will, but yours. Um, I have no desire to do my own thing, um, whatever you want with my life, etc., etc. And so there's a there's a, a measure of favor that comes from that simple declaration and obedience of doing what God asked you to do, and um, but I wasn't feeling it at all. I wasn't experiencing it, um, and. One year led to another and just working hard. And and uh, and finally, I got to this place, kind of started last year about this time. I came home from a- Africa, and there were several changes that had taken place. It caught me completely off guard. And I was like, God, what in the world are you doing? Nothing looked the same. Um, you know, and so everything to me, felt like it was out of order inside of myself. And I didn't go into fasting and prayer. I was praying. I get up at 4.30 every morning, and I 
have my time with Jesus before I'm at work at seven. And so I have a whole routine of whatever that I do every morning, including oatmeal, and, uh, and, a, and a pretty amazing process of making it just right. So anyway, while the oatmeal is doing its thing, <laughs> me and Jesus are doing ours, and God bless America. So in this season, just giving you a real uh, encapsulated view, um, my heart was sinking further and further. And I couldn't get my head, I couldn't get my head up. I couldn't get out of the conundrum, I guess you would say, that my spirit was in. And I really felt like I was slipping into a sort of depressed um, state. And uh, so February rolls into the summer and we go through this whole summer and then the fall comes and it's really intensifying and uh, had a lot of insecurity. I remember actually going to Vicky as a life coach and saying, I feel like I don't even know myself anymore. What is wrong with me? Um, and so she's um, really bringing some insight and some things, but it's not breaking. Um, there's just no real significant relief. And um, and so some more time goes by, and it's November, and uh, it's getting colder. And I remember I found in my closet this black sweatshirt. And it wasn't, I wasn't drawn to it because it was black. It was just big and warm. And I started putting this black sweatshirt on in the morning when I would go down to do my routine. And uh, every morning, and um, I would put, yeah, I would put this sweatshirt on just, for, but it was, it became like it had significance after a while. And I would sit on the couch and uh, wait for my oatmeal, trying to pray, listening to worship, whatever was going on. And it was like God was nowhere to be found. I was going through the routine and the, and, the, and the exercise that I knew was correct, but it was like you've heard the term, the heavens were brass. And it's like I kept sinking lower and lower, and it became darker and darker to the point where I finally stopped saying anything, and I would just sit there in silence. And my world just kind of claustrophobically surrounding me. There was no life. There was no passion. The person that I was accustomed to had just left the country, I think. And so here I am in this awful spot. And um, so that's the morning. Nobody sees me in the morning. Nobody gets up. When I get up, it's just the way our household goes. And uh, there's one morning person in my house, and I'm in. <laughs> um, my son Micah's gaining. Uh, but anyway, there's nobody there, so nobody's seeing this process. In other words, I'm not telegraphing to the world that I'm in this awful spot, although We're feeling it. many people felt it and knew that I was not in a very good place. And we're concerned about me and vocalized that, and I knew we're praying for me. And so with this 
black hoodie, you know, in this very dark place one night. Leah works till 8 um, on Tuesday nights. And um, I had come home. The kids are here at worship practice. And so all of a sudden I'm home by myself. And it's, there's, you know, usually when I come in, there's all kinds of chaos in life and the something's happening and Leah's there and food's happening and whatever. And we're going to have supper. And it was just this lonely, dark, cold house. And I sat down on the couch. I literally went upstairs and I got my sweatshirt and I put my sweatshirt on and I sat down on the couch and I just sat there. And it's almost like I could feel, I I wasn't physically dying when I say this. I'm just simply saying that I could feel hope and life draining like there was a mourning going on inside of me. And so I'm sitting here, you know, like this, and I'm just like this. And I'm, you know, pulling the drawstring tight. Um, And so my wife gets home and she walks in the room and she said, what's wrong? And because this isn't what I normally do, except in the morning when nobody could see me. And uh, for this season. And uh, so I'm, I'm just not able to really communicate to her. And I just said, I'm, I'm not doing good. I'm, something's wrong and I'm just not okay. And, uh, you know, I couldn't describe to her what was going on because I didn't know. And that was part of the hardness of the season. I didn't know what was going on. And so... What took place was my wife went into the kitchen and she has this practice of doing communion by herself. And she went into the kitchen and she took some grape juice out of her stash. I know I look ridiculous right now. but She took some grape juice out of her stash and she brought some bread or whatever and crackers and she came in the room like she was Jesus Christ superstar. And no kidding. There was like fire coming out of her eyes. And I'm, then I was not just, then I wasn't dis- depressed. I was scared to death. And I was like, oh, Jesus, I just should have come out of this by myself. <laughs> um, and uh, she came in and she's like, you know, we're doing communion right now. And so she pours the stuff, you know, puts it in my hand, you know, and says everything that she says to say about the, the, the bread and we do the bread. And then she does what she says about the, the juice and then we do the juice. And then she starts declaring the word of God over me. Like she said, I speak to your spirit. She didn't even talk to me anymore. She just bypassed my depressed, miserable condition. And she just went right to my spirit. And she said, look, you are not being who God has destined you to be. You need to line up with the word of God that says we are free. And I don't even remember all that she said. But it was intense. It was scary. And she went on 
for as long as it took to where... I about the covenant that we have with God. Yeah. Spoke to that. We just... The covenant, the communion is showing us the covenant that he has to bring healing, freedom, deliverance. That's his covenant. So when we do this, when we're his children, we are his covenant children, all of us. So when we receive communion, so we receive his covenant, his word, and we begin to... It doesn't matter what we're in. He hides himself in that darkness. He is there. The source of light is there. It's just being blocked by something. But he's hiding in that darkness. And when you read Psalm 18, he is angry at the enemy. So he comes down. He's like, boom, boom. And then it says after that, he comes down and he lifts them up out of the waters that they were drowning in. He pulls them out. And it says he brings them into a place of abundance because he is pleased with us. That's the most amazing thing. We think after being like this, God must be so upset and disappointed and angry because we lose heart and we get disappointed and we get upset and we get angry. And he says, it's because I'm pleased with you and delight in you that I pull you out. That's why we love him so much. That's why. That's what he's wanting to call us into is out of this first part. And just don't talk about me anymore. Understand who I am to you now. Yeah. Speak to that covenant. Speak the word of God that I don't feel any of this. All of us have been through that. I've been through that. More than once. It will come again because of the nature of the world that we live in. But the culture of heaven is being replaced in our heart. It's, it's coming in and replacing in our hearts what God is wanting to do. So what we want to do, what I wanted to do, and I think I remember telling Vicki this, what we want to do is we want to look for what we did wrong. Immediately, we're looking for what did I do wrong? Not every situation that you find yourself in that doesn't go the way that you expected it to go is because you did something wrong. When we go through that valley of the shadow of death, which he said that we are going to go through, it's a part of our journey. Look at all of the Old Testament figures. They went through valleys of the shadow of death. David, for crying out loud, was being, was a man after God's own heart and he was being chased by the king who sought to destroy him, to kill him. He was going through his valley. So that valley is not intended to destroy us. But it is intended to draw out of us those things that need to be realigned with who God is. Then our declaration becomes not what we have been accustomed to saying, but what revelation that he's brought to us for this season of our life and for this moment forward. Our lives are transitioning right now. And the last four years was a season of death to where the old had to die so that God could pour something new into us, a new venture, a new adventure, a new purpose that would be aligned with His intention for the rest of our life. Like I said in the beginning, we've never done this before. A couple times. This is not our practice. But if this is what God has taken us through this last four years and the last 20, 30, whatever... To bring us to a point where we're able to work together. I didn't like working with her like this. I just wanted to do it. It was easier to do it by myself. I didn't want to share this 
It was too confusing. She would say something and I'd get confused about what I was going to say and get lost. And, and I just want to go wherever I want to go. And I go everywhere when I preach. I'm over here. That's why I said, go up in the left corner. It's, there's stuff up there. You know, you'll find neat stuff in whatever rabbits you tend to chase. But if the last four years was to bring us to a place where we would endure that hardship, it really had nothing to do with my two brothers. My two brothers are great guys. I love them both. They're amazing people. They're passionate about what they do. And their, their personal battle is their personal battle. It's not my battle. That's something that they had going before I even came into the picture. But I had to excuse myself under the direction of the Holy Spirit at this juncture because continuing in that was not going to help to bring restoration. It was furthering the divide. And so God excused me from that environment so that I could continue on with this, that what, whatever it is that he's planning to do. At that, but, but the reality of that is I knew that he was requiring me to make this transition and I was scared to death. I was like, God, you know, I have a truck payment. (laughs) I don't want to lose my truck and I don't see any way (laughs) to, I don't, I'm not, I can't make enough money to keep it. Whatever. It's not just the truck. It's like, I got to buy groceries. I got, seems like my house is getting fuller. You know, these guys are getting married and then their friends are getting married and, and, um, and God's created a place for us for them to all be. And it's amazing and it's awesome, but you have to pay for that, right? There's, they help and, too. Uh, they, they do their parts. Absolutely. But, but my point is God, how, 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 you know, had kind of a good thing going on there. And I was also like, And guess what? We went to dinner with a couple in this church. And that night, the problem was solved. It's like a job offer was made. An opportunity opened up. And it was like like almost effortless. It was effortless. But that night that we did the communion, one of the scriptures was Zephaniah 3.20, where it says, I will reverse, God says, I will reverse your captivity before your eyes. So when you read Zephaniah 3, it's pretty amazing. And that scripture was, I will reverse your captivity. And we declared that, that God would break the chains, that he would reverse the captivity. We stepped back. We recognized that we heard God. We have his word. And we ask him how to administer that answer now. How do we administer your word? Proverbs 16, 3, I commit every bit of this to you and you will cause my thoughts to be agreeable to your will. Therefore, my plans will succeed. When my thoughts become agreeable, that's what he's calling us into in this fast, in this prayer. He's calling us into commit these things to me and I will cause your thoughts to become agreeable with my, I'll show you how to administer the answer. I'll show you what to do. I will reverse the captivity that's in your heart doesn't mean every situation will change right away because it didn't change the next day, the situation, circumstance. No. But there was a change that happened that night in our house. A shift happened in our house that night. Yes. Broke. In yes. the atmosphere, the chains broke. We actually went to North Carolina over Christmas. I went to my pastor there, um, Pastor Al, and I, I sought counsel. 
I told him what had transpired, told him what had happened in me, recent, the recent stuff. He already knew the stuff that had been transpiring. So I was accountable to leadership, you know, and I sought guidance and direction, and he gave me his thoughts. And then I took time to weigh those thoughts, and, and, and the Lord began to empower me to make the decision that I made and to have the conversations that I have with my brother. All those things were very difficult things. All, all of it was very difficult. Sitting down with a guy that we've, we've worked together for four years, and we have duked it out, you know, in, in the trenches of making that thing happen. Um, sitting down and saying, I'm not going to be able to help you anymore. That was a hard conversation. And we had to have three of them because he, he wouldn't, excuse me, he wouldn't listen, you know. He didn't want to hear it, you know. We don't like those transitional times. But we had them. We had the conversations. And as difficult as it was, we transitioned. We became obedient to what God was saying for us to do. And we went his way. So I think that we need to, um, let's transition. I think that we need to, uh, I think there are some of you here that this whole thing of, it's, it's, it's really not about fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer is a vehicle to help us to focus and get aligned. But I believe that God is also shifting some things in this body, shifting some things in you as individuals. There's transitions coming in your life that your, your heart is telling you that there's transition there mm-hmm. of whatever sort that it is. You don't have to be so dramatic as, you know, sitting on the couch with a black hoodie or whatever. But, but there's transition there. And God's speaking things to you that you know in your heart, maybe you haven't even said anything to your spouse because it's just, you just are not, Sure, you want to take that step. But something in your heart is saying there's, there's a shift taking place. But more importantly, your heart is, I want to do what Jesus wants me to do, most importantly. And whatever the cost, or whatever it looks like the cost is going to be, I want to go through with what God has destined me to do. Let me just say this. Our mind has a cost attached to being obedient to him. But the result of being obedient to him is that he already has a plan to take care of us. He already has a way to take care of us. He already has that. He's simply waiting for us to step into that obedient place. So if it's fear that's holding you back from being obedient or just stepping into God's plan, or that transition, or that whatever. God has a plan. He has a way. He is in the darkness of your transitional moment, the unknowns. And I think that the, uh, the, the darkness can be represented by unknowns. Because when we're faced with unknowns, that's what's scary about transition. That's what's difficult about about being obedient many times is we don't know where it's going to take us. We don't know what it's going to require of us. We don't know what the cost is. But if we could go back to Leah's illustration, 
where I was wanting her to be more, chase more rabbits and put more stuff all over the map. It's trusting her that she had a plan with that thing. You know, it's trusting God that he has a plan when even that didn't make sense to me. I'm like, you can be more random than that. Come on. (laughs) ain't random. (laughs) But I have to trust that (laughs) there was a plan. So in the same way, you may not feel like what you're sensing and seeing is really what's going on as far as God is concerned. Trust me, if that still small voice is tugging, speaking, and whispering, typically doesn't blow the doors down. He'll have your wife blow the doors down. He's going to speak the word over you. Red eyes and whatever. No. So let's stand this morning. Yeah, I, I think that um, Leah has a song that we're going to play through the altar call. Um, we want you guys to be able to be dismissed. If you've got places to go that you need to be at, we're running a little late. Um, but today, we just want you to know that whatever God is doing in your life, it's okay. No matter how hard the season that you've been in up to this point has been, the verse says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In other words, it doesn't last forever. There's a day and then there's a night and then there's a day again. And sometimes it's darkest before the dawn. You've heard that a thousand times. But it's true. So you may be in one of those kind of dark places right now. You may say, I didn't have a black hoodie, but I sure do feel like I have a black onesie with a hood. (laughs) And there isn't even a flap on the back. (laughs) And my life is scary right now. Or I don't, I, I feel like I'm doing this all alone. Um, you're not doing it all alone. Trust me. And just because you're in the valley doesn't necessarily mean that you've done anything wrong. God's working in you. The difficult times of our life are the crucibles oftentimes that cause our character to become what he can use in the lives of others. We was at a marriage conference this weekend and, 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 we just wanted to get up and talk. <laughs> Honestly, we just wanted to do the marriage conference. Because this has tested our marriage. It's tested our relationship. We have stories that have come out of this last four years that, are, that, are, that were life-changing for us. But we know that God's setting us up to be able to share, whether it's in a home group or whether it's in a business or whatever it is. We, we literally don't care anymore. Jesus, we'll do something different every week if that's what you want us to do. You just got to to make my truck payment or, or, or you got to find me another truck, something. <laughs> so, Lord, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for this congregation. I just watch it grow and, and uh, just different people come that, it's just amazing how you draw a group together that uh, are passionate about you. 
Lord, we have so much stuff going on in our individual lives. Lord, oftentimes we we hide behind what we think life is supposed to look like. And so we don't want to be that person with the black hoodie. We don't want to be that person. But sometimes we are that person. And sometimes we just need to acknowledge that I'm going through a valley and I need somebody to step into my my life with fire in their eyes. Not because they're angry with me, but because they're, they're angry at what the enemy is causing um, that person to become. And they speak the life and favor and the truth and the word of God over them. And that darkness breaks. And clarity comes and and direction comes, and, and maybe it doesn't all get fixed in that moment, but, but the courage and the faith to go another day, the courage to take off the hood and, and, uh, and let, the, let the light come in. Father, I thank you for my wife. I thank you that she stepped in in that moment. Thank you that she was faithful to, to do that awkward step of, of, of really stepping in in a very bold way and challenging the demonic forces that were trying to destroy and wreck my life. I love her, Lord. Thank you for her. Cherish the relationship that we have um, now. And so, Lord, I we just want to impart your grace to this congregation. And Lord, so we just do, we speak that over them today. Lord, whatever transition they might be going through, whatever situation that they might be facing, whatever darkness may be clawing at their throat, so to speak, we just take authority over those lies. We take authority over those oppressive spirits and we cancel their assignment against them right now in the name of Jesus. And we declare that you are free, that you are whole, that you are everything that God has destined you to be. All the giftings and the callings of God are resident on the inside of you. They just need to be called into activation. And so, Father, in the fullness of time, we ask that you would activate those things. We ask, Lord, that you would not pull us from the darkness prematurely, but everything that's supposed to be happening during this season God would take place and that this message may be a, a message of hope to, to help us to know that, that, uh, Lord, I actually don't want to short circuit what's taking place, but I do need your empowerment. Don't let the enemy overpower us to the point that we can't see the, 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 the what God is, is, um, that God is for us and not against us. Yes. And so, Lord, we ask that your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ask that the kingdom culture, the culture of heaven would, would reside on us and reside in us so that when your work is complete during this season and we come forth, we come forward as tried and, 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 and perfected and pure as, as gold in that season or that specific part of our life. God empowered to be able to transition and and transfer what we've learned and experienced to the lives of those that are around us. Thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your life everlasting. And we receive it today in the name of Jesus. And I, I just want to pray, Father, we, we step into what you're doing. We step into what you're doing. We thank you that we are coming out of 
about you and to you, that you are going to prepare a table for us of abundance in the presence of our enemies. And we are going to choose not only to have you live in us, but us live in you for all the days of our life. So we impart that over them. We come into agreement with your word, and we impart that, that you're beginning to do this work inside of them, at the, where they are in those moments. In those moments. And so, you know, I, I want to be able to, and then both of us want to be able to, if you have something you want prayer for, to come up here. There'll be a time of ministry up here for that to happen. If you need to go, you can go. And I'm going to ask, uh, there is a song, it's called Come and Move by Brian and Katie Torwalt, and it goes into a spontaneous worship song, Flame of Fire. I'm going to ask them to uh, begin to play that in a moment. There'll be words on the screen. If you don't have to leave right away, I encourage you, unless you have children downstairs, please be mindful of teachers and go receive your children. But sit and receive. Step into that. Let this be the day that you begin to step into what God has already begun to speak to your heart or is going to begin speaking to your heart. Is there a particular way? Yeah, God bless you. Thank you for being here today.